0: The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 182. One
1: day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed. As when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a time lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Bravehearty. Change, my dear. And it seems on a
0: moment too soon. Unlimited vice pudding! Physician Wearing a mid-thin. Fantastic. I am Scottish.
2: I can complain about things. Ta-da. Ooh. She'll be fine.
0: Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the 11th Doctor story, Victory of the Daleks. Joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thanks. And Jimmy Aiken. Hello, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, uh, please remember to like The Secrets of Doctor Who on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash secrets of doctor who. You could retweet us on Twitter, where we're at SQPN, and join our online community of discussion and uh, feedback. We'd love to interact with you on social media, and we'd hope to see you there. So this is uh, a the third of the episodes in the 11th Doctor C- uh, series of, of uh, seasons, and uh, it aired in 2010, April of 2010. And... We have Amy Pond as his companion. Rory hasn't shown up yet; he's coming soon. But uh, so <laughs> well, far, he's not a companion yet.
1: He we've seen right.
0: Him. Yeah. Uh, yes. I'm sorry. Yes, he's not a regular yet uh, uh, with them. And uh, this episode follows on directly from the prior episode where uh, they get a they got a call at you know, at the end of the Beast Below. They got a call on the TARDIS phone from Winston Churchill, telling the Doctor, "I need you to come and help me." You know, oh, Watson, I need you, and yeah. so. They make their way to uh, World War II London,
1: but they show up a month late. So it's yes. like it, we have improvement when the when the uh, ninth Doctor and Rose showed back up. It was a whole year late. So yeah. we've we've improved by a factor of twelve. <laughs> he
0: exactly. does make some excuse about being a Type Forty Tardis and being notoriously finicky uh, or something. <laughs> uh, now, from from a, just an overall standpoint, this feels a little bit like. A revisitation of the Daleks take Manhattan, uh, oh. or Daleks in Manhattan, in one sense. You know, you, the it involves sure. the last of the Daleks in the universe, desperately trying to rebuild the Dalek race in a famous period from Earth's recent past.
1: And I think this is more successful than that because that yeah. Dalek human hybrid thing totally didn't work for me at all. No. And the new <laughs> the new order Daleks also don't work for me, but they work. They don't work for me less. than the the human Dalek hybrid. I thought you were going to mention a different episode, Power of the Daleks. Power of the Daleks was the first adventure of the second Doctor, and Mm -hmm. it also involved a newly regenerated Doctor dealing with the Daleks in a situation where the Daleks were in a subservient role. Oh, yeah. Forgot about that one. And so in, in that... The Daleks had infiltrated a human colony and were pretending to be servants, and we had the line, I am your servant, which Mm -hmm. they deliberately call back here with, I am your soldier.
0: Yes, that's true.
1: And a number of years ago, I heard a podcast reviewing Victory of the Daleks saying, this is probably as close as I'm ever going to get to seeing Power of the Daleks. But now we have the animation of power right. yes. of the Daleks, so you can see it with a much better vision. It's not the original, but it's as it's much closer to the original than what was available at the time.
0: Right. That's true.
2: That's true. This, this, this is one of these episodes where it's kind of mixed for me because, of course, it's a Dalek episode.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That should have been a historical, a straight historical. Yes. In my opinion. I think it would have been a much more entertaining straight historical than it was a Dalek story because of the one major character that we haven't mentioned yet. Winston? Winston
0: Churchill. Yeah, that's true. I would love to see that. And maybe, in, obviously, the, the Winston Churchill and the doctor know each other. Uh, yeah. So I would love to see a straight historical with the doctor and Winston Churchill g- getting on and doing something well, doctory. Especially in, <laughs> in the middle of the London Blitz. I
2: yeah. mean, this is as safe as it gets around the doctor, as he says. This is as safe as it gets around me in a bunker in the middle of the London Blitz. That's <laughs> right. about the safest you're going to be.
0: Right. And and they're in um Churchill's Cabinet War Rooms, which is actually a place you can go visit. Father Chipines, who's a, a friend of ours and on the board of SQPN, he went to England a few years ago and went and visited Churchill's cabinet war rooms and he said it's quite impressive. It's right there uh in the middle of London. Uh and so we have this recreation of it, and he did basically run the war from this underground bunker. They're they're in a he was sheltering a, in place. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> in an undisclosed location. They they're under a German air attack, uh, you know, and they they're, they have that usual thing where they have the people operating this, the figures on a big map board on the table We're using croupier sticks, and uh, he orders them to roll out the secret weapon, and the big reveal is it's a little model of a Dalek, and like how could this be? Uh, so that then after the opening credits we have the TARDIS arriving, uh, and we have this uh, moment that gets we we revisit this uh, at the end. Uh, apparently Churchill is constantly trying to get a TARDIS key off of the Doctor, uh, and the mm-hmm. Doctor is always refusing.
1: And he's also, like, even though he knows the Doctor, and he knows about regeneration, because he says yes. to Matt Smith, oh, you've changed your face again. Yep. He's also contemplating taking the TARDIS by force, so he's got a squad of squaddies there yep. ready mm-hmm. to try to seize seize control of the TARDIS, but of course he doesn't.
0: Right, yep. I'd like to see you try, as the doctor says. Uh, <laughs> one one little note, historical note. As we see them walking through the corridors with Churchill, uh, you hear lots of background noise, uh, phones ringing, typewriters going, people talking. In reality, this I, I think this is a, a kind of a cu- uh, a cool little historical trivial note. Churchill had a special silent typewriter created for the bunker because mm. he couldn't stand the constant noise of typewriters the clacking. Yeah, because yeah, this was that,
2: this would have probably still been manual typewriters. I don't think the electric oh, typewriter yeah. was really developed. So it would be oh, yeah. if you've ever used a manual typewriter, it really is clack, 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 clack constantly.
0: <laughs> yes. So I just I, I like that. I I like the fact to imagine that uh that Churchill had misophonia too, and uh <laughs> and had <laughs> and he had the wherewithal to have a silent typewriter created. But anyway, I just thought that was a, a fun little note. Uh Churchill tells the doctor, you know, Britain has its back to the wall and they expect invasion any day so I will grasp on anything that will give us an advantage. And then makes a reference to something called the Ironsides Project. and mm-hmm. The doctor's a bit baffled here. And so they get to go up to the roof of wherever the building is that they're underneath. And see. And she, Amy gets to see London in the Blitz. And it's interesting to see Amy's reaction. Up to this point, she's been so excited. I'm, re, I'm meeting Winston Churchill. It's World War II. It's so exciting. But when she gets to the roof and sees London... Under the damage from the blitz in the she day, goes, yeah, in the daytime, she gets yeah. very somber, and I think that's a, r- a real appropriate reaction. I, mm-hmm. I I like that the character has that moment where this is bad. It's not the uh, in history,
1: yeah, and it, it is a nice moment psychologically because it's easy to think, you know, being someone who hasn't been in a war but having known about all this stuff, it's like, oh, it would be so exciting to see that, and then you see it, and it's like, wow, this is much worse than I imagined. Uh, that's right. a very psychological human reaction. Also, World War II, and I don't know that uh, most of our listeners are Americans. I don't know how, how much Americans appreciate the role of World War II in British history because yeah. they could have lost. I mean, he, over here yeah. in America, we were never really going to be taken over by Hitler or the Japanese, not anytime soon anyway yes and i mean it would it would be a long time before we would be mm-hmm. under threat but hitler had the plan to invade england you know yeah, they right. suffered a crushing defeat and barely got out at dunkirk and if we hadn't entered the war if the americans hadn't entered the war things could have gone very 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 badly for britain right. and so world war 2 is a pivotal thing in the british psyche for the mid 20th mm-hmm. century it really cast a shadow over you know how people thought about that time period for the rest of the 20th century and right. even today for people who are old enough to have grown up in that time period well so it's a very somber very powerful event mm-hmm. in british memory and it has to be treated respectfully there have been right. British politicians who have not given sufficient respect to what happened in Britain, and it has gone very badly for those politicians. hmm Yep. So there's deep feeling about World War II in England, even deeper than here in America. And so, of course, the doctor is respectful, and Amy is respectful, and that's entirely appropriate, and as it should be, and... I can't help thinking how that reflects unfavorably on what has happened to the show since. Mm. Because since Matt Smith was being respectful about World War II, we have had Peter Capaldi's insane rantings about soldiers and war. And we even have some from Matt Smith and Jodie Whittaker and all this anti-violence, anti-war messaging. And it's like, you know where the rubber meets the road is stuff like World War Two. Yeah, You don't dare be disrespectful of that. And you ought to show the same respect for other situations where conflict is necessary. And it shows the silliness and the unseriousness of the show's moral treatment of the use of force in later seasons.
2: I think that part of the problem is we've hit that point now where living memory of World War II is almost faded. It's still mm-hmm. around. There's still, you know, we still have, like, there's still people who are veterans of the war that are still alive, although right. very, very few. I know, I think here in our little town where we had, you know, there there would have been dozens out of the 2,000 people here who were World War II vets. I think there's only like two or three that are still alive. Yeah. People who would have been alive in Britain at the time of the rebuilding, because that's one thing you got to remember too is, the damage to Britain's infrastructure was so bad from world war II. It wasn't until the fifties that the country had finally recovered to a significant effect. Even, even, you know, like the tower of parliament, big Ben, it was damaged during the war. I mean, that that's the cultural symbol of, of Britain. It was damaged, you know? And so during the time that even when this was done 10 years ago, it's hard to believe it was only, it was 10 years ago that this episode came out. But when this was done 10 years ago, I think the living memory of the war was still much stronger than it is today. Yeah. That's true. And I th- and, and that's 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 part of the problem is people tend to for, to forget events like this when they don't live it. And but of course then there's that story about you know those those who forget the past are doomed to
0: repeat it. Right. And you know keeping in mind that the queen, long may she reign, uh, is herself uh, a mm-hmm. veteran of World War 2 and so I think that yep. has helped to sustain that living memory. But when she passes, uh, that would be a passing of a generation. And uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think we need to remember and to respect and to honor you know, those who g- gave so much. And I'm glad that there are, there are shows like this that entertain us, but can also help us to remember and, the sacrifices. And they don't hold back on the sacrifices in this episode. We see the cost of war in right. a couple, some of the minor background characters here.
2: And we should also mention, since you'll be listening to this a month later, we are recording this on Memorial Day.
0: Yes. Yep. So
2: yeah. it actually, that it, it, I didn't realize that connection until just now. <laughs> We're actually recording right. this on Memorial Day, you know, which is re- remembering those soldiers who died in that war as well as all other wars. So, yeah, we do really need to remember.
0: One thing I want to uh, mention, by the way, is that uh, the last time the doctor was in London during World War II, during the Blitz, was as the ninth doctor. In The Empty Child, Dr. Dance's uh, two-part, uh, with, which was written by uh, the current showrunner at this time, uh, Stephen Moffat, this episode is actually written by Mark Adis, his, his uh, writing mm-hmm. partner. So, interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, should mention that. It's
1: interesting to see the difference in Rose's reaction to Amy's reaction. Right. Yeah. Because Rose was now Rose didn't see it in the daytime, but she was much more adventurous. She's swinging on ropes and stuff like that. She's flirting (laughs) with Captain Jack, and Amy is like, "Whoa!"
0: Right, Amy. Yeah, Amy does is is comes across as more serious in general than Rose did in the beginning. Yeah, Rose is on a lark, but uh, Amy, there's a more serious element to her.
1: It's interesting because Amy is also, in her own way, on a lark. I mean, she was about to get married the next day. It's like let's go (laughs) on a time journey, (laughs) exactly. But she's being brought back down to earth in a more that reveals she is a more serious person at this stage in her life than Rose was at this stage in her life. Mm
0: -hmm. Right, right. So uh, the the German planes, the Luftwaffe, they're they're coming in. They're coming in for their attack, and they call out the uh, Ironsides. uh, there's a uh, Dr. Bracewell there who's controlling it, and an unseen weapon at first uh, shoots laser blasts into the sky, taking out a whole squadron of the German planes uh, in lickety split. The doctor demands to see wh- what the weapon is, and a Dalek painted in khaki colors uh, with a little uh, Union Jack on its front uh, <laughs> rolls out, I am your soldier. And uh, this Dr. Bracewell claims to have invented it. And the doctor's like nearly out of his mind about this at this point. Well,
2: <laughs> I mean, even when when the the weapon fires, he's like, "Wait a second, that sounds familiar." And of course, it's that very distinctive, yes. whine of a Dalek
0: gun, right? Churchill said, uh, "Well, I had originally called you a month ago to come because I had my doubts about it, but ever since then, you know, this is I, I I've lost my doubts. This is the weapon we need." And the doctor says, "You know, destroy them, exterminate them." He's is is, yep. is is exactly what he says, which is you know a little irony from the doctor there. I I, I think I didn't. Mean, I think he's not supposed to be aware, you know, self-aware that he's actually said it. uh, But I like that uh, Mark Mm -hmm. Edis wrote it in that way.
1: Yep. So Churchill does not realize that that the Daleks are cyborgs. He thinks they're just robots. And he thinks Bracewell's the inventor of them. And I wonder if Bracewell is an allusion to Ronald Bracewell, who proposed in 1960 building robotic interstellar space probes. They're known as Bracewell probes
0: yeah. to
1: communicate between different civilizations across space. So you'd send out a probe that's got enough AI to serve as your agent and do business for you. Hmm. And I wonder if Bracewell's a reference to that, because that's kind of like what he's invented here. It's an AI that can do business for you and kill people. <laughs> They actually meet a fatal Bracewell probe in an episode of Babylon 5, where it shows up and says, we'll give you secret knowledge if you can answer the following questions. And the real test is, if you can answer the questions, you're a threat, so I'll go all explodey on you.
0: Right. Uh. I'm trying to remember where I've heard the name Bracewell recently, um, and I'm trying to think of whether it was in the uh, Doctor Who episode with the seventh Doctor that we did recently. Or if it was in a mysterious world episode, I'm uh, I'm, I'm kind of don't <laughs> think we've mentioned Bracewell in Mysterious World. I remember he's come up somewhere recently, and that's interesting that you mention him because that, mm-hmm. that is very familiar. Anyway, uh, neither here nor there. Uh, there is an important story arc, like season arc moment here, where the yeah. Doctor tells Amy, "Tell Churchill about the Daleks invading Earth." You know, the planets in yeah. the sky, and she's like, "What are you talking about? I don't, I don't know what you're talking about." And he's he kind of puts a pin in the the fact that. She doesn't remember that whole thing where the Earth got moved to another part of the galaxy and Daleks invaded.
2: And this is the the first time this season where there's there's something going on here that, you know, Amy is not just, you know, kind of a, a flighty gal who left right before her wedding, that there's something
1: significant about her.
0: Right. In addition and, to the crack in the universe. Right.
1: Yeah. And the implication is it's related to the cracks in time somehow. And the fact she grew up in the house where we had the original crack. in the wall, which is one of the cracks in time, but not the cause of them. And this is an example of something where I think Stephen Moffat falls down Hmm. because he never really comes back. I mean, we get mentions of the fact that Amy's life doesn't make sense, but he never assembles the jigsaw puzzle for us and says, this is what was going on, and this is why, and this is how. He ends up short shrifting the amy's rewritten life plot subplot yeah he just,
2: he just throws it into the wibbly wobbly timey wimey time war cracks in time soup and that's what comes I, out
0: i do yeah. recall wa- when i was watching this when we when we, we kind of get that hand wavy moment where suddenly everything is like he fixes everything and i'm like well wait what was going on with amy like yeah why is it okay now like yeah I, I do remember that they kind of just drop it
1: yeah Back in this episode, though, we now shift since Amy can't help the doctor convince Churchill the Daleks should not be used. Now it falls to him to prove yep. that they're evil. And I just love the Daleks in this scene. It goes on for far too short. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the Daleks are coming around with a tea tray and it's like, would you care for some tea? Well,
0: it's yeah. even better. The Daleks kind of scream at you a little bit when they talk to you. So it's, yeah. a, it's, it's very like, would you like some tea? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no, no, thanks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Meanwhile,
1: since uh, Dr. Bracewell is a Scottish man from Paisley, uh, we have yeah. some Scottish bonding going on between Amy and Bracewell. Yep. And I like how the doctor thinks that Bracewell has cut a deal with the Daleks because yep. he's he's thinking you didn't invent them i they exist independently of you therefore you must be in league with them and he's trying to turn bracewell by saying i don't know what they've promised you but this is not going to work out and that makes so much sense based on the doctor's previous interactions with the daleks that right. they have gone to humans and promised them something and it has right. not gone well For the humans in the end, because, you know, the Daleks are scorpions. They can't stop themselves from stinging in the end. Mm -hmm. And so he's talking imminent sense to Bracewell, but he doesn't realize the situation he's in. And so he then turns when Bracewell doesn't respond. He turns and physically attacks a Dalek. You know, he's like he's 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 doing an ace thing where he's beating on it with a with (laughs) a giant wrench, giant wrench instead of a baseball bat. And I love the Dalek's reaction as he's doing it. The Dalek is, you do not
0: require tea. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there is a couple of interesting moments before that. I I want to point out, like at one point, the the doctor confronts the Dalek and says, you know who I am. You always know. And the Dalek responds, your identity is unknown. And we find out later, this is a key moment. The Dalek is trying to get the doctor to say something very specific here, but Bracewell intervenes and stops him. Uh, mm-hmm. Churchill also has a great moment here where he's trying to he's telling the doctor, like, I don't care where they come from, uh, they're gonna save us and he says if Cher- if Hitler invaded hell, I would give the devil himself a favorable <laughs> reference <laughs> which I thought was a great Churchill line there. Very Churchillian. But yeah, you're right. The doctor goes off the rails a bit and starts wanging off <laughs> on the yeah. with a giant wrench on the on yeah. the Dalek and uh and, and the Dalek him-
1: is please desist from striking me, I am your soldier. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the doctor says, "You are my enemy, and I am yours. You are everything I despise." And he, and he, you know, says, "I am the doctor." And at this point, the Dalek says something: "The testimony received, or we've received well, the doctor's testimony." You, you missed
2: the important point of that testimony, though. Is I am the doctor, and you are a Dalek. Oh,
0: right, and right, it right. Was right. The,
2: you are the Dalek is the test, the key of the testimony that the yes. doctor is testifying. This is a
1: Dalek in front of me. Right, right. both parts are essential.
0: Yes, and so at this point, they transmit to a hidden ship behind the moon, where a Dalek there activates something he calls a progenitor, and back on Earth, the Daleks are like, okay, we're, you, we're no longer your soldier. They start killing the Marines and reveal that Bracewell is a robot created by the Daleks, which oh, you know, uh, throws the, the, it for re- a loop.
1: The reveal on that is great, because Bracewell, yeah. now that the Daleks are no longer obeying anything... By the way, we're at the 12-minute mark, where we yeah. have this reveal... Yep, The Daleks as your as your soldier thing went on way too short. Yeah, it yeah. should have gone on for another 10 minutes because we're still really early in the episode. But for the reveal, now that the Daleks are no longer obeying, Bracewell is is alarmed and he's like, you've got to obey. I created you, at which point <laughs> the Dalek says, no, we created you. And, and that's and, the reveal he's a robot and then and blasts blast his hands
0: his hand off and reveals yeah. i th- i gotta say when i first watched that that i that was this a surprise to me i didn't catch that until then that was that was a good uh well, a, a, a good course, gimmick
2: you've got the parallel between with with bracewell and the dalek and davros in genesis of the dalek you know right. i created you well we just took over from you
0: <laughs> right mm-hmm. we're we're in control now
1: also, it reveals the problem with what the Doctor has been assuming about Bracewell, that he's a human in league with the Daleks because they promised him something. No, he sincerely believes he's their creator. He just yeah. doesn't
0: realize he's not. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they, the Daleks chant victory and then transmat away to their ship. And uh, th- the Doctor takes off in the TARDIS without Amy. He, he realizes that their plan was to... To, to get him to maneuver him into saying what he did, and so he he runs to the TARDIS, Amy in tow, and leaves her behind. You're safer here than coming with me. Which you know, it, these are early days as her as as the companion, and the Doctor okay. tends to kind of, uh, the, at least in New Who, t- tends to leave his companions behind in dangerous situations. If if you notice, yeah. If, if
1: eventually Amy becomes almost a second Doctor, but she's right. not there yet.
0: That yeah. that eventually changes. Yep. He, he the, does
1: think to take a Jamie Dodger with him, though.
0: <laughs> yes, this is good. On the Dalek ship, the Do- the Tar appears, and the doctor uses that Jamie Dodger as a fake self-destruct button to buy himself time. Yeah. And tells him, don't you dare scan it.
2: <laughs> yeah. By the by way, if you've never had one, those are awesome cookies. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> yes. what the does well are great desserts. You know, jelly babies and jammy dodgers. Great desserts. <laughs> I,
1: I, I was going to say for listeners who, may, who are American may not know what a jammy dodger is. It's a, a cookie or biscuit, as they call it in England, that has a dab of jam in the middle of it. So it mm-hmm. looks it can, if you don't look at it close, look like a little circular device with a button on
0: it. <laughs> yep. And right. so he
1: uses it pretending it's a self-destruct device for the TARDIS to bluff the Daleks into complying for a time.
0: In the most recent season of the Thirteenth Doctor, I remember seeing a YouTube video from the Doctor Who channel where they went all uh, on and on about how Jody Whitaker and the rest of the the, uh, the cast are like crazy about Jamie Dodgers <laughs> on set. And it just I I remember that. I have to find that. But that was pretty funny.
1: I think Jody Whitaker's TARDIS has a Jamie Dodger dispenser, doesn't it? Yes. Yes, board. that was
0: part of that. Yeah, that's right. They put one in for her. So uh <laughs> The doctor on board the, uh, the Dalek ship realizes that they're a heavily damaged survivor of the last battle that they'd had, and they tell him they went back in time and found a progenitor module that, these are scattered around the universe in time, and it contains pure Dalek DNA that they need to regenerate themselves into a race and build, rebuild their empire. That Bracewell was needed because the progenitor didn't recognize them as Daleks because they weren't pure. Do we know why they weren't pure is is this a relic of the Daleks take Manhattan? No, I think I, it's
1: I, a relic of the the stolen earth
0: it's kind of this is kind of
2: an ongoing plot line though with the Daleks Because yeah. remember we did uh, remembrance of the Daleks where that was a plot line where some of them weren't pure Daleks and you know right. so yeah it's kind of an ongoing thing but you know like yeah stolen earth where they were basically regenerated from Davros himself,
0: oh, that's what it was, yes, yeah, so they weren't pure Dalek dna. And so they needed the doctor's testimony, which ironically is unimpeachable. If the doctor says they're Daleks, then the progenitor module, which knows the doctor, will will acknowledge that they are D- Daleks, which is uh, kind of funny. So, um, in their effort to, in the, this standoff with the doctor, they they said, you know, the doc the, the doctor is going to blow up the TARDIS and destroy the ship. They think uh, with Jamie Dodger, and so the Daleks turn on every light in London because that'll lead to the destruction of London. I'm like, would it really? I mean, well i mean if you're bombing london you're bombing london
1: <laughs> yeah right it makes it an easier target and you could target more specific buildings like oh that's parliament let's do that one or that's you right. know the palace let's do that yep. one
2: yeah it's not like it's not like the germans didn't know exactly where london was you know they, right. they were bought they knew they were hitting london but like jimmy said you know it, it's when you're up there, say you know five, six, seven thousand feet above the ground, and if the ground's completely dark, you can't pick out targets like the right. palace and things like
0: but that. But the the point being, it was it as dire a circumstance as they made it out to be. I don't if, know that if it would, you
1: can target where the queen is right now, that's pretty dire.
0: Well, I'm gonna guess she's not hiding in Buckingham Palace. <laughs> well, yeah, at the time, I the don't king. know. I mean, don't she know. may
1: have been stayed stayed behind for well, morale purposes
0: the king by the way but uh, yes oh king yeah
1: sorry <laughs> i don't know i just feel like it's overselling this my problem with yeah. it is the the doctor misses a trick here because he's holding what he's convinced them is a self-destruct button for the tARDIS it's like if i blow up the tARDIS your ship blows up and all the lights go out again you right. haven't incentivized me at
0: all right (laughs) right Right. Uh, exactly um so meanwhile amy is is trying to figure out how to take the fight to the daleks like we have to get up there and help the doctor and so she thinks of bracewell's inventions uh, and and so they get to work on that he mentioned
1: several earlier including gravity bubbles
0: yes and we'll we'll come back to that but on the ship the dna reconstruction is so we're going back and forth the dna Mm -hmm. construction is complete is, is complete and a group of new multicolored Daleks—they come in colors yep. now. They, uh, <laughs> they, they're available in white, purple, blue, red, orange, and yellow. Well, Get them all. They, Collect all of they, them. They did before. These are the movie Daleks. That's right. That's yeah. right. And they're, they're bigger also, too.
1: They're they're way yeah. taller. And yeah. part of the and and so okay, these are called the new paradigm Daleks, and they were meant to be used going forward in the series. As okay, these are the new version of the Daleks now. And fans hated them. Uh huh. They, so they never appear again as protagonists. We occasionally see a new paradigm Dalek in the background in a crowd of other Daleks, but the fans did not like this design. Mm. And I can see why. They're too big and they're too rainbow. I mean, the colors are too vivid. <laughs> right. The gunmetal gray or, you know, gunmetal green Daleks are much, you know, or even the silver Dalek with the little blue balls on them. Yep. are much more aesthetically appealing to me. These things look like Dalek Skittles or something <laughs> like They're so brightly colored. And they're huge because they're designed to have their eye stalk not at the level of Billy Piper, but right. at the level of Karen Gillian. Yes. And she's tall. So these yeah. Daleks are preternaturally tall compared to what we're used to. And between those two changes fans just didn't like them
2: well i had to laugh because I, I wrote i wrote down you know technicolor daleks because of course that's why <laughs> yeah. they were all the multicolor back back in the 60s but i do think that the height difference makes an effective message though of you know like the the old daleks quote unquote are the ones that are they aren't pure and so they're they're smaller they're you know not yeah. as strong and then you get the big ones that are bright and big and they barely fit the you know it looks like they're just barely scraping the surface or the, the ceiling of the ship and everything. And, you know, so I think it gives kind of an effect there, like they're trying to say that these are the these are the, the racially pure Daleks, which yeah. would fit with, of course, with the Dalek mindset.
1: And we even have a really close, I mean, this is a really on-the-nose line where as the, as the new paradigm Daleks roll out, we have the other Daleks saying that this is the resurrection of the master race. Right, yep. and it's like okay. Given that the Daleks are inspired by the Nazis, that's a pretty on-the-nose line. Yep. I also then love what happens with mm-hmm. the existing Daleks because since they're racially inferior, they need to be destroyed, and so yep. and, and they're, they're happy okay to do it. with <laughs> that. They're fine being destroyed <laughs> by the more racially pure Daleks. So it's like. They they immediately get disintegrated and they're happy about that. Yeah, they're like you must you
2: must destroy us. Okay,
0: <laughs> we're told that the new the new Daleks are paradigms. They they're now divided by function: scientist, strategist, drone, eternal, and supreme. And I'm kind of curious. Like I, I get scientist, strategist, and drone. That makes sense. Supreme is the leader. Eternal is a little bit. Uh, I'm baffling. I'm not sure what that's about, but Yeah,
1: this was in secondary stuff where these different categories were introduced. I mean, it, they did it's not in any of the dialogue in uh the episode, but no, it, it wasn't in...
0: it, uh, it is. The white uh, the white Dalek tells the Doctor, "Scientist, strategist, drone, eternal and the supreme." And the Doctor oh. says, "Which would you be?" "I'm guessing you uh you know, you'd be the supreme. You you have a nice paint job." So Okay,
1: <laughs> I I missed that line. Yeah. But the speculation in, like, background material is that the Eternal One would have been a time traveler or something like
0: that. Gotcha. That would be probably a built-in time circuit or something. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, Churchill and Amy have to talk down Bracewell from destroying himself, which, you know, it's a bit of an existential problem going there. (laughs) Uh, And so they appeal to him to help them adapt their weapons, the the weapons that he invented, to attack the Dalek ship. In 10 minutes, yeah. they're yeah. going to convert these Spitfires. It's, of
1: course, very implausible and yeah. appeals to the science fairytale nature of Stephen Moffat's writing as showrunner. Yes. I like, though, a, a bit of realism here, which is that, you know, so they come, Amy and Churchill come in on Bracewell, who's about to kill himself. So he's suicidal. They talk him down, and he's really broken up about the fact he's a machine. He's a thing. He's not a man. And Churchill does not care that he is a machine. His question is, whose side are you on? And that's (laughs) all that matters to Churchill in World War II. I don't care if you're a machine or not. The thing that (laughs) matters is, are you on the side of the British? And that is very Churchill. It is very practical. And it's, And it's a great way of snapping the guy back to his senses, because as someone, even if he is a robot, he has the memory patterns of an actual British subject that apparently were grafted onto his robot brain. So there was a a real Bracewell, and that real Bracewell would have been patriotic enough to say, even if I'm in a mechanical form now, I can still serve my country. Right.
0: And so they have (laughs) this wonderful image. Of Spitfires in gravity bubbles, flying in <laughs> space, attacking with lasers, uh, the the Dalek ship, uh, and we have two out of the three planes are destroyed. We have to up the the drama here, uh, and the mm-hmm. and the thing they're trying to destroy the the dish that's transmitting the beam that's turning all the lights on, so that that this so they can save uh, London. Although I, if you could have con- taken one of those planes and had them go after the German bombers, so hold them off while you're trying to destroy, but you know whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and how do planes
1: fly in a gravity bubble anyway? I mean, there's a little there amount of atmosphere in there. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> it's, it's,
1: you're not going to propel forward. You might propel forward to the front of the gravity bubble, but it's not going to move the gravity bubble.
0: <laughs> I know, I know. Uh I and,
1: also the lead pilot, the one who does survive, is named Danny Boy. That's his yes. his uh, his call sign, uh, call sign. Yeah. and it's voiced by Mark Gatiss.
0: Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Okay, that's yeah. good. Um, so the doctor manages to drop the tar- the uh, shields on the uh, dolly ship, and the Spitfires blow up the dish, uh, turning out London's lights. So that's uh, saves the in day a,
1: in a good way. It knocks out the lights.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, knocks the lights out. Uh, By the
1: way, for the... the record, I hate the Spitfires in space thing. It's, <laughs> I think it was fairy tale for
2: me. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was. It was cheesy. It I like to think it was you know like the
1: the uh, Muppet Show.
2: Pigs in space, <laughs> yes. spitfires in space.
0: Yeah. I, I, it was a little Star Wars-y for me, so I was, a, I was okay with that. But yeah, it was a little hard to to, to, to swallow that one. I mean, don't uh,
2: don't they, mind, you know, 1940s-era pilots suddenly able to go into space, and they're not totally freaked out by that. <laughs>
0: yes, right. So the, he wants, the, the now that the dish is destroyed, he wants them to keep shooting at the Dalek ship to destroy it. But the Dalek Supreme contacts the doctor. He says, call off the attack. Or they'll explode Bracewell and destroy Earth Bracewell doesn't yeah. have a bomb. it's just that he's powered by uh like a singularity or something like that well or a so
1: so there are a couple of interesting things here. The first one I love the line the Dalek gives Bracewell is a bomb <laughs> right and <laughs> and they explain he's powered by something called an oblivion oblivion continuum yes, and i so I'm fine with that, but I wish they would have just they could have given us a much more realistic answer, rather than making up something called an oblivion oblivion continuum, they could have just said, he's got an antimatter reactor, and all we have to do is turn off the magnetic field.
0: Right. right. You
1: know, that would make sense if you've got, I mean, antimatter power would be a logical way to power something. I mean, you don't really need that much power in a robot, but. Yep. But it would be something familiar that would have a logical reason why he's not just a bomb out of nowhere. He's, the power supply has a real function, and you just have to shut it off.
0: Mm-hmm. Right,
2: right. But then you can't uh, have that cool uh, countdown where the, the colors are changing as he gets closer and closer.
1: Right. You could, still, so that- you could still have that. That could be the countdown to shutting off the magnetic field.
0: It could be an arc reactor because that's kind of what it looked like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the doctor has to decide whether to destroy the very last of the Daleks. Here's once again, he's got that chance to destroy every last remaining Dalek in the universe, uh, or or save the Earth and allow them to create a new and more powerful Dalek race. And of course, he has to save the Earth. Uh, the, the, but the Daleks, you know, curse your sudden yet inevitable betrayal. They still. Uh, set bracewell to explode, and so he has to stop him. Uh, but he can't defuse him. That's because that, he's not a not a traditional bomb. So he makes him for some reason tell him about his memories.
1: Yeah. This, so he's what they're doing is, and this is more of the fairy tale stuff. They want him to reassert his humanity, which will in, apparently enable him to control his physical form better for right. reasons. Right. And so the doctor goes down the path of you know, prove you're human by embracing your pain. Yeah. And that's that's not working. It's just alarming him more. And so Amy throws in the twist that saves the day, which is because the doctor's been talking about, like, an old girlfriend that he was, or a woman he was sweet on, but, you know, it didn't work out or whatever. And Amy is like, okay, but think about that pain. It was good in a way, wasn't it? because mm-hmm. there's this positive side to romantic heartbreak. It's not just pain. It's also when you've lost someone you love or, or didn't get with someone you love, there is a positive side to that pain. And that harmony between the pleasure and the pain in the memories is what enables Bracewell to assert control over his physical form and stop the countdown. It's a good hurt.
0: In fact, it was Amy who brought up the the yeah. idea of it's someone. Is there someone you fancied and couldn't? And you you knew you shouldn't. And of course, she's thinking about herself and the doctor. That this is that yes. ongoing. Uh, she fancies her son-in-law. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> uh, and uh, it, the other the other aspect of though is once again, this is the second t- episode in which Amy saves the day. Amy brings the solution. Mm-hmm. She's the one she saved it in the beast below and now she does it again in this and it's very interesting how it's we're, we're constantly being shown that Amy is the solution not the doctor in, yeah. in the in the grand scheme of things. The the resolution of course is that Bracewell reasserts his humanity.
1: Yeah, and there is though another solution that's even simpler that they could have done and don't which is Put the bomb in the TARDIS, take it elsewhere, and throw it into space. <laughs> right, yeah. and we don't right. even have TARDIS separation preventing that. The Doctor has just been using the TARDIS to hop up and down from the Dalek mothership.
0: Right, and Bracewell is, for all that he has, you know, human feelings and all, he's still just a machine. You know, he's not mm-hmm. a, he's not a person. So, uh, but you know, we 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 go with it.
1: Don't try to talk to the bomb. Don't be a shizno. Just just take the <laughs> bomb and get rid of it. <laughs> right,
0: right. Or his he says, "Cut the red wire." Uh they the Daleks, you know, realize they've they're they've somehow lost this time again, as they always do. And so they jump away through time and the doctor's despondent at first that they got away, until he's had to be reminded that he's saved the earth. So then we, we tie up the story, the doctor tells Churchill the world doesn't need the doctor to stick around and, to win the war. Because Church from Churchill's point of view is like, Okay, now stay here and stop this amazing devastation when millions will die. He's like, No, no, you you've got it. you you guys will take care of it. As they say goodbye, he he gives the doctor a hug and <laughs> lifts the doctor's Tardis key because Churchill is a pickpocket, <laughs> and, and Amy g- gets it back from him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <she> says, oi, <"Oy, laughs> Churchill boy, and makes him give it back.
1: Also, also, we have just before this, we have one of the staffers in right. the cabinet war rooms mm-hmm. is seen weeping. Her name is Breen, yep. and apparently, it's her home world is much milder than you've been led to believe. But mm. uh, Bre- despite that fact, Breen's uh, significant young man has been shot down over the channel. Yep. And for once, Stephen Moffat doesn't walk back that death. Right. So we they have actually- a significant moment here with her. Yeah. They actually
2: tease that, uh course, when they first show the war room where there was a squadron that was lost and she goes, Oh, Reginald's was in there, you know, and it was yeah. her, this, and then they, Played it out that
0: yeah they realized that he was lost. I remember originally thinking that because the doctor wasn't in the room at that point. I remember thinking the doctor's going to come back in the room having taken the TARDIS to go rescue the guy shot down over the channel. But no, they they leave that, which is good. They left it you know, there's there, a cost right? to war, and I think that's I think that's that's a that's a good point to make here is that despite all the fun and the fairy tale stuff, there's a cost to war, and they're they're mm-hmm. they're showing us. Um, so they 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 go visit Bracewell. He's ready. To be deactivated or destroyed, uh, and they kind and of
1: re- reasonably because he is yeah. he po- he points out I'm Dalek technology. You can't just let me walk around
0: exactly. And uh, instead of saying no, no, go go live your life, they kind of make up this whole trying to get through to his 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 dense <laughs> perception. Uh, we're going to turn look the other way and let you run off and go live your life and go find Dorabella and uh, and have a nice life. Well, uh, he finally gets it. But, uh, well, I love I
2: love that where they're going. Oh yeah, we got the thing to do. It's going to take fifteen minutes, maybe twenty, maybe. And Amy looks at the doctor's <laughs> like, for a robot, he's pretty dense. For a Dalek, <laughs> he's pretty dense.
0: Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but uh, they, he he finally gets it, and then it's we have that classic line, "Come along, Pond," as the doctor uh, takes her uh, takes her with him. And as they're about to leave, get in the TARDIS. Uh, they they have this discussion and. He recalls this important point from before mm-hmm. that she doesn't remember the Daleks, and this is something to be worried about. Uh, and so we'll, we'll presumably be following up on that. And then as the TARDIS dematerializes, we see on the wall, behind them in the filing room, the crack in time. Uh, yeah. Once again.
1: Which are all shaped the same and look like a smile, kind of.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they're very sinister. They're very clever that they use that shape. It's a like sort of a crooked smile, sinister smile. So, uh, Father Corey, any f- uh, final notes on this episode? Uh, just one one quick thing, of course. That you know, the
2: doctor couldn't face off Hitler now because he will later. Yeah, later season. Mm. So, and Churchill will be back. Yep, with Amy. Yep. Yeah.
0: Uh, and Jimmy.
1: And in fact, Churchill's going to be back later this season, as will Bracewell, because when we get to uh, the final episode of the season, we r- in a in a really nice montage we run through multiple people we've met earlier in the season yep. th- right. that all connect into the final plot, including Churchill and uh, and Bracewell from this episode and Liz Tin from the previous episode.
0: That's right. That's right. Yes. That That, that is it. He does. Moffat does have the ability to wrap things, tie things together like that. He does. All right. So uh, we'll. Take a moment here to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create The Secrets of Doctor Who, including Brian K., James H., Charles K., Dr. T., and Greg H. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Doctor Who in all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. We'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits the show for us every week. So that's it from us. What did you think of Victory of the Daleks? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page, or send an email to Who at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the fourth Doctor story, Planet of Evil. Until then, Father Cory Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the Secrets of Doctor Who. Thank you, Dom. And Jimmy Aiken. thank you as well. Thanks, Tom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, KBO, Doctor! Right. This is gonna be fun.